Last week we uh, finished up our, our stint there in the book of Matthew and we closed out with Jesus' great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, what? To the end of the age, right? To the very end of the days. And so we kind of answer that question, where do we go from here, right? From the cross, from the empty tomb, where do we go from here? And Jesus lays before us clearly the command to go and make disciples. And so this morning, maybe as a continuation of that or as maybe a follow-up to it, is a reminder of how hard that really is. Of how discouraging it can become to walk as a follower, a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul has some very encouraging words for us as he closes out his, his letter to the church of Galatia. Um, it's the book of Galatians there in your New Testament. And he writes to a church that, um, if you're with us, it's, it's been many years ago now, but we walked through the entirety of this book and um, we, we talked about just the big idea. Jesus, it's Christ plus nothing, nothing right? That's the, the big theme is that Christ alone is sufficient for salvation. And so he's battling that and now he's going to encourage them because of how challenging that can become in the culture in which they live. And we know a culture in which that Christ is not seen as sufficient. In fact, he is seen as um, in clear opposition to the culture and the, the school of thought that pervades and seems to be the, the big thumbs up. And so um, I want to encourage you with that this morning. That's my hope and prayer is that you will leave encouraged to not give up. You see the image there on the screen? Um, this was, I don't know if this last cow days or the one before. Um, this is the one I could find where my kids actually had their shirts on. Uh, we, we've crossed... We've crossed a few finish lines, um, sometimes with some different wardrobes on. Um, so anyway, but here's the amazing thing, right? So this last year, I've run in cow days, um, except for the year or so there with my knee, um, probably about the last 10 years or so. Um, how it came about was a young lady in this church who was a runner who was uh, in a severe accident. And I went to visit her in the hospital, and I said, listen, I hate running but as an encouragement to you that you're going to get better and you're going to get back out and run, I'm going to train and we're going to run in cow days together. And that's kind of how my journey began. And um, growing up, I, I, I liked to run when sports were going on. But if you had me just running to be running, the only time I ran was because one of my big, ugly brothers was chasing me. I hope they're listening. Um, that was it. This last year, um, I struggled. Uh, the training struggled. My time struggled. Uh, I had very little training. Actually, the race was, I think, the second time where I actually had both. Um, I'd been running with just Josiah and Judah because it just didn't work. And so Rivers' LBs compared to Judah's LBs was quite different. The, there was wind um, that morning in the race. And so I'll never forget it, right? You, you go up here and you turn right, um, right there at the, caution, the, the stoplight by IGA, and you kind of come around the industrial loop. And I'd gone up the rise there, getting ready to turn right by where Dr. Wabrowski's office is and back onto the main road coming back home. And I'd pass this guy going up the hill, right? The boys are always jawing, Dad, pass that guy, pass, you know, that, that guy's beating you or whatever. And so, man, I, I tried and I passed this cat. And, man, when I turned the corner, it was literally like a gale force wind began to just come against it. And sometimes with the, when you run with um, – a stroller and the wind blows, it's like literally you're running with a parachute on you. And man, my slow, I just started to slow. And the longer that rise up, the elevation just seemed to get higher and higher and tougher and tougher. And this amazing thing happened. I literally was, I was, I'd already contemplated several times I'm going to stop and walk. And my pride was getting the best of me, right? And I was there in that moment battling. Um, before my first race, I went to drop off my my race fee, and uh, there was a gentleman there that I was handing it to that I have a great deal of respect for, and he was an unbelievable runner. Um, 
And so I was talking. I said, listen, help me out with the race. And he said, well, here's what I want you to know. That when you go to run, every runner is going to run at some point, hit a wall. It's not if, it's just when. And the question will be, in the midst of that race, will you continue to either push through that wall, climb over it? He said, that's the people that make it through. And I'll never forget that. It was prior to my first race. He shared that with me, and it's been so true. But this wall was different than any other. And I was there, and I just said, man, Lord, I don't know what it's going to be like. The boys were yelling, Dad, go, go, go. All these people are passing you. And about that time, I agreed to slow down and literally come to a walk. And another hand reaches out and grabs my stroller. And I look to the side, a guy that I don't even know comes up beside me, puts his hand on the stroller and said, let's go, brother. And he begins to help me drive up that hill. And that's what my hope and prayer is this morning, is that some of you may have become weary. And I want to encourage you today to let you know that the power of Christ in you is enough that you will not grow weary and give up. That the power in Christ in you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is sufficient that even though today you feel like the wind is against you, the elevation just keeps getting higher, you have contemplating walking, putting it in, closing up shop. I want you to be encouraged today that the one who was pushing beside you is no mere man. It is no preacher, no pastor, but none other than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. So, beloved, today, do not grow weary and give up. So let's turn there. Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 7. Do not be deceived. It's an imperative command, and the reality is, is that we often read the biblical text and act like it's not real. This is a real command because the church can truly become deceived. It is possible for you and I to be deceived. And look what he says. I want you to know what the deception is. It's this. That God is not mocked. For a man or a woman reaps what they what? What they sow. This is the danger. He says, listen, guys. I want you to know that there's a real deception that God could be mocked, that somehow God doesn't see or that he's not aware, that maybe he's on a siesta. We're going to come to this a little bit later in the text. But maybe that what is happening in your life isn't a big deal, that God doesn't seem to care. Maybe the struggles you're going through, you can be deceived about that. You're going to see it in a minute. You're going to be, you can be deceived to think that God doesn't see, doesn't care. Others of you, you think about your way of life, that maybe God doesn't see and doesn't care about how you're living any way you want. And, and Paul says, listen, guys, I want you to know God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Paul uses a general agricultural principle, right? And, and you, you, you probably know it pretty well, right? But you see some of this. Can you imagine that? How many of you are going to plant a garden this year? You're going to do some type of farming, something. Raise your hand. Come on. Come on. Get them up high. It's a good exercise, right? What, what are some of the things you're going to plant this year? Come on. Tomatoes. I love those. Uh, if you've got extras. What, what? Who else? Corn. What else? Peppers. What? Green beans. What else? Squash? Mac and cheese? <laughs> yeah! That's right, Pax. Man. That's right. Hey, I love it, dude. I love it, right? Where every, every kid is looking for that seed, the mac and cheese seed. Amen. Amen. Listen to this. Imagine packs that you go to plant the mac and cheese seed and you're like, dude, Parker Price, bro. Listen, guys, we got the mac and cheese seed. It is going to be on like Donkey Kong this year. And you walk out there and on there instead of mac and cheese, 
there's like squash and zucchini growing. How are you going to feel about that? Disappointed? Yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, you're there and you're thinking, listen, what I've sown is surely going to reap that. And that's what Paul's exact point is. He says, listen, you wouldn't go out in the garden and sow something, expect something else to come out, right? I mean, for, for all those here that are besides Paxton are sowing mac and cheese, you're expecting to reap mac and cheese. Paul says, listen, guys, there's a danger, right? That sometimes we think that we can mock God and he doesn't see or doesn't care. But I want to encourage you, church, to sow to the spirit. But watch what he says before he gets there. Um, trying to see here. I guess I jumped a little ahead. I'll tell you what. All right, let's walk through it just for a moment. So again, back to verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And here, here's the two examples. He gives a negative and he's going to give us a positive. Right? So watch this. For the one who, look what he says, sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap what? Corruption. Right? So if you sow to the flesh, he says you're going to reap corruption. Right? I mean, listen, guys, I want you to know that, that this is major, right? And this is what he's going to do. He's going to balance it. I want to show you this and then kind of make a, maybe a point here about the word corruption. Look what he says further. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap what? Eternal life, right? So we have the word corruption and the word eternal life that are kind of opposed to one another. And this is, this is major. Paul's saying, listen, I want you to know that if you live according to your flesh, the corruption that you will reach is the damnation of your soul. This is about the eternity of your soul, Paul says. Listen, I want you to know, guys, don't be deceived. Our God is not mocked. If you sow to your flesh, you will reap from your flesh corruption. And that corruption is put against what you will reap from the Spirit, and that is eternal life. He says, listen, guys, you may think that because you're so-called saved that you can live any way you want. He says, that does not reflect the truth of Christ. And I am warning you by this word, he says, that if you sow, if you live your life that way, you will from your flesh reap corruption. Look what he says, though, further, though. But the one who sows... According to what? The Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Isn't this beautiful? He says, listen, if you want to live the Spirit-filled life, if you want to glorify Christ, he says, it's not in you. It is sowing to the Spirit. You cannot do this on your own. You need the empowerment of God's Holy Spirit. It, look what he says there. But the one who sows to the Spirit... Will from the Spirit, so look at that, you're sowing to the Spirit, but you're also from the Spirit, is where you are reaping, he says, eternal life. So maybe that brings about a really important question. How do we sow to the Spirit? Right? I mean, that, that's an important question I think this text raises that we need to try and answer for a moment. How does one sow to the Spirit? So I want to try to answer that, but, but let's look at verse 9 in a way of trying to answer that, and, and we're going to jump forward. Look what he says here. And let us not grow weary of what? Of doing good. I believe that the doing good is the explanation of what it means to sow here to the Spirit. And I want to try to show that to you just for a moment. Right? I mean, one of the, one of the more important texts we have in the New Testament is just a chapter earlier, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And he talks about the Spirit. 
And remember, and he talks about what the fruit of the Spirit is. He says it's love and joy and peace, right? I mean, you know those. You can look at it there in Galatians 5 and 22. And so what Paul is trying to point us to and remind us of is that, listen, guys, you cannot do this on your own. And this doing good is not merely just an outward working. The true doing good or the true sowing to your spirit is the fact that the work of the Holy Spirit is doing something on the inside that's now reflected on the outside. He says, listen, I want you to know that if you are doing it by your own flesh, by your own strength, it may appear godly, but the reality is it's just reaping corruption. You've just become religious. You've found ways to prove or to fool people on the outside. But the truth is, he says, listen, I want you to know the true doing good is the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you that's now showing fruit on the outside. It is that you have received the Holy Seed, as Peter says. It is an imperishable seed. He says it's going to bear forth fruit. So let's try to ask this question again further. How do we sow to the Spirit? And I think in doing that, we come to Galatians chapter 1. Listen to what Paul says to the church there as he opens the letter. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus who gave himself, verse 4 of Galatians 1, who gave himself for our sins. You might say, why? What's he doing here? Why would he give himself? It's to deliver us, look what he says, from the present, what? Evil age. He says, listen guys, I want you to know that Jesus giving himself was to deliver you from the penalty of sin. The penalty that is against you and I because of our sin for the wages of sin is what? It's death. He says, I want you to know that Jesus came to deliver you from death. Not only did he pay your penalty on the cross by the power of the Most High God on the third day, he was what? He was raised to life for our justification, Paul says there in Romans 4. He says, listen, guys, I want you to know he has come to deliver you from the present evil age. Listen, it's not just simply that you and I would die and go to heaven. That's not simply God's goal. It is for you and I to live a transformed life here and now. Just listen, guys, I want you to know he came to deliver you, not just simply from the world in which you live, that you can go to heaven. He says, I want you to know Christ came to deliver you from the present evil age. How did he do this? He says, well, he, he gave himself right for our sins. You see that there? He gave himself for our sins, that penalty of sin. But not only that, look what he says here in Galatians 5 and 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, again, this is our, our, our identity. You have belonged to Christ. You ask the question, well, what's it mean to be in Christ? How important, significant is it that I've been grafted in, as, as, as John says in John 15, as Paul says there in Romans, how important is it that I've become a part of Christ? How important is this seed that is in me? He says, I want you to know that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And you might be asking, well, how do I live this out, Blake? How do I, how do I, this, this victory that has been brought to me in Christ, that I now have crucified the flesh, right? Again, he's not saying that we're perfect. If you think that, read John, 1 John chapter 1. He, he warns anyone who thinks they've now become perfect in Christ is a deceiver. They've been deceived, right? No one here is sinless. But he's saying there's a holiness of God. There's something, the work of the Spirit. There's the work of Christ inside a man or a woman that's truly believed and received the power of the Spirit. It is to war against our flesh, to say no to the flesh. Look what he says, Galatians 5 and 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will what? Not gratify the desires of the flesh. So he says, listen, I want you to know the victory or the power is not in you. It is by who? It's by the Spirit's power. 
Right? It's by the Spirit's power, which is the very thing He's been telling us to do. Listen, I want you guys to sow to the Spirit because from the Spirit you will reap eternal life. And he says, listen, guys, I want you to know because you belong to Christ, you have the spirit of Christ, which empowers you to say no to the flesh and to the desires of this world. Because you have been crucified with Christ, you no longer live. What Corey had us singing earlier, I've been crucified with Christ, right? I mean, talking about taking up our cross, Luke 9 and 23. He says, listen, guys, I want you to know the only way to live the Christian life is by the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And you'd say, well. Man, the Trinity's at work. Back with me just for a moment. Galatians chapter 1. Look what he says. Um, verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So this is God's will. God's will for you to be delivered, right? You've ever wondered, I wonder what God's will for my life is. It is for you to be delivered from this present evil age. And to come and to be a part of his kingdom forever. But listen, he says, I want you to know that's God's will, right? And so you would say, well, where's Christ at? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself, right? He's, he's there at work. We saw back in Galatians 5 and, and uh, chapter, chapter 5, verse 16 about the Spirit being worked. Galatians 6 and 8 where we are today about the Spirit sowing according to the Spirit. So we have Father, Son, Holy Spirit that is at work in your sanctification of transforming your life from the inside out. He said, well, Blake, why? Why is God doing all this? Look what he says here. To whom be what? Glory forever and ever. Amen. The text that we are in today, beloved, is about your eternal soul. Right? Sowing to the Spirit that you may, from the Spirit, reap eternal life. This is about the eternity of your soul today. And it's also about the eternal glory of God the Father and Paul is saying that this mashup takes place in our daily doing good. That your daily life is not meaningless or haphazard or lacks significance now because you have a job change or you've retired or you're no longer like um, your kids are no longer in the house or this, this transition and major point in life has happened and somehow your life now becomes more, less significant. It's not that at all. Your life stays significant. Why? Because it is in Christ and it's about your eternal soul and about God's eternal glory. And Paul says that happens in our daily doing good. That our daily lives are of vast significance. What you do is mattering. Nothing is trivial or lacks significance. And look what he says. He says, well, man, listen, this is great and awesome. But guys, here's the truth. We're in danger. And so Paul writes this, this word of encouragement of um, pursuing on. This is my Charlie Allen verse from way back in youth days. Charlie used to share this verse quite a bit. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season or in proper time, depending on your translation, we will reap if we what? Do not give up. So look what Paul says. He says, listen, guys, if you need to be reminded about how weak your flesh is. I just shared with you about the fact that God can be mocked, that we mock him in ways because sometimes we think that sowing to our flesh is no big deal that sowing the spirits really maybe not that important. He says, listen, guys, I want you to know that there's a real danger for us and it's that we might grow weary. How many of you here have ever grown weary? Yeah. My assumption is if you haven't been there, you, you may soon be there. 
And I hope and pray for some of you never do, right? Some have been given the gift of faith in the church. And if you've ever been around those folks, it doesn't seem to matter how many bullets come their way. They are just like in a bulletproof vest. They just keep pressing on. God says that he's given some in the church the gift of faith. And they just set an absolute course for all of us to say, I want my life to look more like that. And when those people who are here, maybe you have that. And you just say, I don't know. I just don't struggle. I don't have those. God's given you probably the gift of faith, most likely. And it's not to glorify you. It's to glorify him and to encourage all of us who do struggle. Right. I've confessed it, man. I'm, I'm a roller coaster emotionally. God's helping me. Right. Try to take some of those. They just now become more speed bumps in my life. But, man, I, I, I can really, really struggle. Um, and so listen, I, we, we often wonder like, and what am I doing? Make any, di- any difference, right? I mean, what am I doing? Make any big deal. I remember for me, I, I didn't grow up, um, doing missions, right? I just, I didn't, um, I didn't know a lot about that. And, um, a big change happened in my life. Um, and that, that change was in the man that I now know as my father-in-law, grandpa, Emily's dad lives, lives missions, I mean, this guy is just continually equipping college students, sending them. Um, and I'll never forget. I mean, he invited me my first international, my first probably real mission trip. I went with him. We just landed in Costa Rica in the rainforest. It was unbelievable. Times I wondered if we'd ever make it. Um, and, and my point is, not only is he going to impact me, I hope and pray that, that my life of trying and desiring to live missions is having an impact on some of you. I hope it's been an encouragement to this church of continually, how do we live missions? But really and truly, God in him was working in me way back there in uh, January or March of uh, 05, I guess is when I went first time. But my guess is if you spent much time with him, he would probably tell you of seasons where he wondered if he was making any difference at all. And the reality is he doesn't often see. He doesn't often know of what's happening. And that's my encouragement to you and I. We don't often see. We don't often know how God's using the fact that you trained and equipped some young man or some young woman back in 1956 that was in your Sunday school class. And you wonder, but man, wait, guys, don't grow weary. There's going to come a day. There's going to come a day in which you begin to recognize God's great working in you. So look what he says here. He says, listen, guys, I want you to know, and let us not grow weary of doing good. And this, this is the moment in which maybe we just circle our wagons, so to speak, just for a moment. He says, listen, here it is, four. Right? This is, this is important. Right? Here he's going to tell you why you might grow weary of that doing good, of sowing to the Spirit. Four, look what he says. In due season, again, maybe at the proper time, depending on your translation, we will what? We will reap. Here's the challenge. It's in due season. That, this, this is the challenge of the text. I, I really believe this is this because of this due season right here. We have the tendency to possibly be deceived about God being mocked. Right. We have this tendency to think maybe it's not true. Maybe that what you sow, you don't reap. Right. Like, I mean, I, Man, trying to disciple and pour into kids, you often wonder, does it make any difference? Why are we even doing this? This is chaos. I'm sure some of you in your jobs, you've been witnessing, whether it's to children in your classrooms or, or co-workers, and you wonder, is it making any difference? Some of you live in marriages and relationships, and you wonder, is my love toward them and my sacrifice and laying my life down for them? It just seems like I just keep getting stepped on. I keep getting forgotten. I'm wondering, does it make any difference? And the challenge is this. 
The reaping comes in due season and it doesn't always happen immediately. And so we have the temptation to be deceived and think that maybe God isn't faithful. And Paul is saying, guys, listen, I want you to know it's in due season. It's at the proper time. I think this becomes dangerous for two reasons, right? I think it's a major challenge, this due season, this, this wording of due season. It's for two specific reasons. One is this, that you might actually grow weary and, and give up. My assumption is the vast, vast, vast majority of us here have all grown weary at some point. You've grown weary of coming to church. You've grown weary of your Sunday school class. You've grown weary of your marriage. You've grown weary of raising your children. Children, you've grown weary of your parents. I mean, you've just grown weary of following Christ, of being faithful to Him. You've grown weary of giving. You've grown weary of praying. You've grown weary of singing. You've grown weary of witnessing. You've just grown weary of all things God-related. The vast majority of us have experienced that. Listen, and you say, well, Blake, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Check out 1 Kings 19. One of the most spiritual godly men who did not die, who went to heaven in a chariot of fire. In 1 Kings 19, following the victory, sat down and was ready to die. That's Elijah. If you've never, ever grown weary or you're wondering, maybe I'm less spiritual because I have grown weary and I'm considering today taking the towel and throwing it in. I'm considering giving up. I hope and pray this text, the word of God, the spirit ministering to you is causing you to pause today. It's causing you to hold up throwing that towel, even though you're contemplating it. He says, listen, guys, I want you to know there's real seasons of growing weary. John the Baptist, John the Baptist, who unlike anybody else in the biblical text that I'm aware of, says that he was filled from the spirit, even from birth. And yet, John the Baptist, who had been a part of seeing Christ, sends this messengers to Jesus when he's in prison because he feels forgotten and forsaken. Go and ask Jesus if he was the one or if we should expect someone else. John's going weary. Second Corinthians, I had no idea in this conference there when a great man of God led us through Second Corinthians. And it is an absolute letter of Paul's discouragement and struggle as a leader. Paul says, I'm distressed. I mean, so many things there. The great apostle Paul dealt with growing weary. And so, guys, I want to write this to you, to, or I encourage you today to look to God's Word, to realize that it's possible that you might or that you may one day grow weary and consider giving up. And here's the danger in that. The only way that we could really give up and throwing the towel as if God was not faithful. That's it. But the truth is, again, this is the deception. The deception is this. Back in verse 7, now, the deception is this. The, 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 the reaping doesn't happen immediately. And so we think that it must not ever happen or it will not ever happen. That's the deception. You think you will never, ever come out of this season of life. The storm will never stop raging. That these things will never stop coming against you and your family. And that's the deception that Satan wants. And that's what's so hard about this word for right there. That's why it's so tough. Because it's in due season, not our time, but God's timing. And so today, I would compel you and I to not be deceived. Our God is faithful. He's faithful. I want to throw this in. I'm going to do it really quickly and we're going to try to close out. But 
what I'm sharing today is not a salvation of works, okay? And so I want to I point that out from Paul's letter just really quickly. Again, because I have the fear that maybe someone could hear this and think, oh, man, we gotta, we got to sow the Spirit. That's the only way we can actually be saved, so we're working it out, all right? So if I'm not doing enough stuff, then maybe I'm not. No, listen, Paul's not at all saying that, right? He, he, I guess he's saying the big idea is this, and I, maybe I'll preach this text at some point, but the right root produces the right fruit, right? But listen, listen to this, Galatians 2 and 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but what? Through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed, right? So now we have faith, now we have belief, all in Christ Jesus in order to be, look what he says there, huge words, in order to be what? Justified how? By faith, again, in who? In Christ, and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be what? That means declared innocent or guiltless before God. No one will be apart from Jesus Christ. Faith, belief, trust. Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Guess what? The church at Galatia was struggling with this. And again, this we're all close with just this section of the text. But are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So Paul's not at all saying that, right? So again, it's helpful to have the entirety of his letter in our mind before we hear this couple of verses and think, oh man, maybe I have to do this to be saved. No, Paul is saying we do this because we are saved, right? We're never working to salvation. We're always working from salvation. See, it's a big difference. It's a big transforming, right? Many of you may be trapped in that. You're trying to work to salvation. If I can just be good enough, somehow God will accept me. I know I believed and trusted on Christ, but I know I've got to do these works. If I do enough works, then God will somehow someday say, well, I know it's good that you believe all the way back in the past on my son, but man, these works, that's what really saved you. No, he's saying, listen, these works are evidence of the fact that we have truly repented and believed. It's a work of the Spirit of God. I know time's coming, so I want to move and, and, and come to this. Here's the second danger again, right here back in this text, right? Um, the, the danger of the fact that, again, it's in due season, right? The reaping is in due season and often not immediately. Here's the second danger, I think, from this. There are those who may live according to their flesh, right here again, sowing to the flesh, and they don't reap from the flesh corruption immediately. And therefore, they must assume or think that somehow God either doesn't see or doesn't care. And Paul's saying, you are deceived. God is not mocked. A man or a woman will reap what they have sown. So you may think today that way you're living hasn't caught up to you. The IRS doesn't know about it yet. Your spouse doesn't know about it yet. Your teacher in your classroom doesn't know about how you've been cheating on tests. I mean, I don't know what it is for you. And you may think that nobody's found out. Nobody notices. It must not be that big a deal. God must not really care. He seems to be letting you bow with it. And Paul says, that is a deception. God is not mocked. We will reap what we have sown. And the challenge with that is that it's always in due season. So I think that's the second real danger of this due season. The first deception is to believers that you might grow weary in doing good because the, the due season hasn't come yet and you think you may not be making any difference in what you're doing, your discipleship, your loving, your pouring, your witnessing, your praying. And the second is, again, I believe that as individuals live according to their flesh, they may think that God doesn't see or doesn't care. And Paul says, listen, guys, I want you to know that in due season we will reap. Not if, not might, we will so based upon all of this, where should it lead us, right? Well, Paul is hoping and praying 
that even if we might grow weary and kept compelling us not to, right? He's reminding us because of God's faithfulness. Again, all this text is rooted in God's faithfulness. Because God is faithful, right? He, he's, he, we're, not, we're not being deceived. We know that our God's faithful. We will reap. So he encourages us not to give up. And then he says this, right? And, and I'll, I'll point it out, so then, right? Here, guys, here's how you leave. Here's how we're going to close out this text uh, that we're studying today. Look at what he says. So then, as we have opportunity, let us what? Do good, right? Let us not grow weary of what back here? Doing good. Paul's saying, listen, because of the truth of God's word, because of God's faithfulness, because of the fact, look, that's what he's saying. Listen, guys, we will reap. This should encourage you and this should compel you to not give up, to keep doing good, to keep living according to the spirit, to keep praying, to keep sharing the gospel, to keep loving your enemies, praying for those who persecute you. Because the danger can be is that you may not think it's having any difference or God doesn't see your care, but he does for those in the midst of of the storm, keep pressing on, relying upon His strength and not your own because you know your God is faithful. He is not mocked. You will know that He is faithful who began a good work in you. He will bring it unto completion in the day of Christ Jesus our Lord. I can go on with so many texts to encourage you. Man, I encourage you this week. Go out, read your Bible. Man, it's, it's all good. It is all good there to encourage and to edify, to rebuke, to correct, to train, to equip. Man, it's God's Word, the power of His Spirit. Praise be unto His name. So then... As we have opportunity, beloved, let us do good to everyone. Come on, church. Let's do good to everyone. Let's love this community like we've never before. Let's send more folks to Oklahoma than we've ever sent before. Let's send more folks to Changers than we've ever sent before. Let's raise up and go more to the nations and unreached people groups than we've ever before. Let's give like we've never done before. Let's pray and fast as a church like we've never done before. Let's do good. Let's live in the Spirit. And especially, look what he says here as we close out this text here. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. Man, who could you love on? I don't have time, but if you just rewind back the text right in Galatians chapter 6, he's talking all about the fact that some people are carrying loads that are too much for them to carry. And he's calling the church to come walk beside them, to bear one of those burdens of his words. Who could you walk beside in this church? Who could you pray for, encourage, disciple? Man, God's word is so good. And all of this, again, listen, all of this happens in Christ Jesus, not in ourselves, not in our own strength, not in our own power. All of this is in the Son of God. And so you'd say, Blake, ah, today I'm sensing and compelled by the Spirit of God, by the truth of God's Word, that I, I'm not really sowing to the Spirit, but instead I've been sowing the flesh. But I experience conviction over that, that that's not honoring God. I realize I'm, one day I'm going to reap corruption from that. Man, that I would compel you to come to Jesus. To look unto Him, to put your faith. We, we read all those words there back in Galatians 3. Um, and other places are putting your faith, your belief, your trust in Him alone. And this, listen, guys, here's the beauty. For those who put their faith and trust in Christ, the Bible says you receive the Holy Spirit of God that empowers you to carry out what we've just read today. You're not alone. And then the church is there, right? So then, right? That's us. Let's do good to everyone, especially the household of faith. Man, I hope and pray is an encouragement to you today to not grow weary, to not give up, to keep sowing, beloved. Sow your mac and cheese, Pax.
so faithfully. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Man, today, God, I thank you for your word. And I just pray, Father, that you would. Man, for those of us that have been sowing the flesh, and we all struggle here, even as believers, we struggle at times with sowing the flesh. Father, I just pray we'll experience conviction over that today. To remind ourselves that even though it may not have caught up to us yet, so to speak, we're not to be deceived, God. We will reap what we've sown. So, Lord, I pray right now for just conviction over that. Father, I pray also just for a word of encouragement for all the scandalous people in this room like myself who've sown to the flesh to realize that they can come under the precious blood of Christ today. Hallelujah. To be forgiven of that, to not have to carry that weight and shame that Christ took all that on the cross. So, Lord, I pray that your people won't carry out that burden, Lord. Today, you, you paid for it. Father, I just pray they'll just, just confess their sins to you and experience the forgiveness that is available to them in Jesus. Father, I pray lastly for those that have grown weary and they're considering maybe giving up. God, would you, by the truth of your word today and the power of your spirit, just encourage them. I pray that even in this moment right now, you would put upon the minds of believers in this church, maybe other believers that are struggling, that have grown weary in this church, and how might they give a word of encouragement, write a letter, make a phone call, make a visit? How might they pray for them and intercede for them? So, Lord, I just pray you would just do the work that, that, again, only you can do in and through your people. I love you, Lord. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, if you've grown weary today...